Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and excessive force seems to be the popular complaint these days. And with me, I've got Liam. I am the law. Is that this movie? Does he say that? I think so. I the mean, just, cop? in my head, that's a Judge Dread line. So I'm like, oh, does, did, did, did we do that in this one as well? Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of that one, Judge Shred. We watched the reboot on the podcast. Dread. Yeah, I know yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah, there's like a Stallone movie called Judge Dread. From no, I never heard of that. Surely it came up on the other one that we did. Didn't don't you think it might have? I don't think so, bro. <laughs> it's just like the one hill that you will die on the hardest on this podcast is insisting that you you are permanently unfamiliar with Judge Dredd the motion picture. Now that Mitch isn't here to do a two versus one shepherd's pie sort of thing, I, I feel safe just being contrarian. Yeah, we're just trapped in a limbo. Yeah, Mitch, unfortunately, uh, could not hang tonight, could not make it out on account of being busy. We don't have to have a joke for everything. He's just he just couldn't be here because he had other stuff he needed to do. So we're doing a classic, just sort of Corey and Liam TMAO kickback. This is fun. It's been a while. Um, yeah. I kind of forget how to do it like this. I can't I can't hide my birds chirping as much behind Mitch. So Well, the birds are just part of it. You know, it's all show, right? You know, we're all here for all the usual stuff. I mean, how how laid back do we want to hang this? Like I could just be like, you know, like, how's it going? You know, we're we're not in deep into Spooktober right now. We're just sort of living. We're just sort of vibing. What's going on? You watch anything cool? You do anything fun? Um, I watched um David Cronenberg's Scanners. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like it. I uh, there's some cool. There's a few cool effects. Not as many as you as I would like. You know, it's it's not like the fly or anything. Um, but the gore that happens is cool, but it's few and far between. It gets bogged down in a lot of just like explanatory sci-fi concepts and espionage. The lead actor is really, really bad, like bafflingly bad. Um, and it's it, it ends up just kind of being pretty shallow and plodding. Um, but I'm glad I saw it. And it is a cool idea on the surface, this idea of the scanning, but like the ending totally comes out of nowhere. It, it feels like, uh, it feels like it's like half a movie and it got really rushed or something. Yeah. You know what I just realized we could talk about, unless you have anything else cool that you've done recently that you want to get to. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck all that stuff. No, tell me. We could. Do you want to do a Terrifier two mini sode right here at the beginning? Sure. Yeah. Because we both went to go see Terrifier two. Uh, we did briefly talk about doing it on the podcast. We are no longer deep into Spooktober. Um, that's not the reason we're not doing it. Uh, how it just sort of ended up is, uh, Liam and his fiance Brianna, and I, made it, and Mitch could not go, so he just hasn't seen it. Um. But we went to this, like, the platonic ideal of the rundown mall theater, I think is a fair way of putting it. Just a very cool, weird place that seems like it shouldn't be open, but is. And uh, they had a killer lineup of movies playing. It was uh, on one side of this hall. It was just 
Pearl, Barbarian, and Terrifier, which is pretty sick. And uh, yeah, we checked it out. This iconic already, you know, put it, put the notice on your movie screens, lock up your grandma, lock up their mom, you know, lock up generations of your family because they don't want to see this Terrifier stuff. It's too gnarly. It'll simply shake you to your the core of your bones. And uh, we walked in, trotted up to a movie theater that was lined with cardboard boxes at the back, uh, completely bereft of any other human presence. Just no one else there. Just a real treat of a setup for a movie like that. Because, you know, we got to talk and riff and hang out. Um, yeah, openly we, in the theater, the whole movie. Yeah, we just shot the shit. We like riff tracks did a little bit. And uh, I guess that's for the best because the movie itself was maybe not the most interesting thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I was a bit let down, you know. I think I let the the hype train get to me on this one. Um, I try, I try not to let that happen. And a lot of times, you know, even even uh, when I do really listen to the hype, I end up aligning with it a, a lot of the times, you know. Um, but this time I, I was a bit let down. It was actually kind of similar to how I just described Scanners, though I actually think Terrifier 2 was better than Scanners. Uh, so don't, don't get me wrong. But I, I, I found that Terrifier 2, in between the gore stuff, which was awesome, um, I thought it was l- pretty plodding and uninteresting. I thought that because this was a two, a nearly two and a half hour film and I'd heard that going in and I thought that was really exciting and I thought it was so cool that people were saying that it it wasn't a uh, detriment to the movie that the movie kept you there the whole time. I thought that it meant that this movie was, was going to do something really grand with its story and I don't think it does. I think it ends up feeling pretty much like a um, a slasher movie that is just elongated and drawn out. In fact, it didn't even have some factors of uh, a typical slasher movie that I think would have helped it. Like I think a bit, a bit more of a of a friend group and a bit more of like a, a conceit, a gimmick behind um, what the protagonists are up to might have helped. But this is just like a whole lot of bopping around and. Uh, which to be fair is what the first movie is, but that, that first movie is an hour shorter. So I, I ended up being a bit disappointed though. I did really like the gore and I also really liked the, the lead actress. Um, and I liked her character, but I think like like, the music too, if I remember right. Yeah. The music was cool. It was kind of like, there's some like R and B like eighties kind of dance stuff. And it was cute. And there were, there were cool set pieces. Um, I, I just can't help but think that I would have liked it more if it were an hour shorter. And that that's a shame to say, because I even like, I listened to a podcast where some dudes were talking about how they loved this movie and their, com- their complaint, even though they loved it was that they were like, oh, but did it really have to be two hours? You know, that's a two and a half hours. That's a big task. And not having seen it, I was like, <laughs> dude, a two and a half hour slasher movie sounds awesome. And if you guys loved it, what are you complaining about? It is crazy to love it and want less of it. That's an interesting yeah, yeah. issue to have. <laughs> and so I guess I came from only <laughs> liking it 
and then the uh, wanting less of it and so that ends up adding up but um it is really cool that it's in theaters i'll definitely watch it again i think it'll be a great movie to to just have on because it is so long and so if you ever need an omelet you're like carving pumpkins or something i think that's cool but it didn't it didn't uh, blow me away, even though I, I respect, I respect what it is on paper. In practice, it didn't actually end up having as much on the bone as I thought it might. Yeah, it feels simultaneously like uh, stripped back, like you're saying, like the, the you're there largely for the gore. I think, but it's also like stretched out is the problem. It's like you can strip it back to like really foundational stuff and not have the extended friend group and not have, you know, like further exploration of those core characters if your whole thing is like we're really good at making a movie that's disgusting but you should focus on that part but it 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 does dabble a lot with the characters despite not really doing a lot with them like it just feels like it's that but longer also a lot of the the actual gore scenes themselves are drawn out quite a bit either before or during the actual violence um during the violence i think it's fine because like that's the point that's what you're there for in in effect um when it's taken a really long time to get to it i found that it wasn't doing like an amazing job of tension building because again because the whole thing is they want you to see all these cool gross effects they made like uh it's really brightly lit and doesn't do an amazing job like building a whole lot of tension because it wants you to see everything. So you're just sort of like patiently waiting for the movie to catch up to where you are, which is kind of weird. Um, it's certainly not like trash or anything, and I don't want anybody to take that away, but like taper your expectations accordingly um, and go in there largely with the expectation that you're going to see some really gnarly gore. Like, laugh out loud insane gore and i know laugh out loud is maybe a weird way of putting it but it made me laugh at how ridiculous it was uh but you know anticipate that it might take longer to get there yeah i agreed like i still wanted more of the gore you know if this was yes. in an hour and a half Somehow movie there's not enough of the gore like. yeah if it was in an hour and a half movie i mean you get you get plenty you there's a, there are a lot of scenes but in a two hour plus movie um I feel like it has the amount that like an hour and a half long movie would have. Uh, so yeah, it, it ended up being a, a, a bit, yeah, a bit disappointing. I think your point about it doesn't create tension all that well is, is well taken. You know, I think that would go a long way in filling the gaps and, um, uh, I don't think that it does a whole lot with with the extraneous characters. I think the lead character, Except um, for my boy Ricky, yeah <laughs> i think the lead character is really charismatic but but even still when i think of the what story the movie was telling it's kind of it's it's not all that clear um and i think if it had been you know if i had if i could easily say this is the movie where the lead character has this problem and she's trying to accomplish this and all the while stop this clown is happening to her i think that would help a lot but i don't but i don't think this movie has that which again is sort of the mo of the first movie the characters aren't very clear they're just bopping around there's not a a, an a to b plot um but yeah you're, you're there for something specific but that doesn't excuse the rest of it from being like 
fully bland, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um I think that's I think that's a fair assessment on our part. I, I want to encourage people to still see it though, and if it's playing in a theater, I would encourage you to pay for it. Uh, because I think it's good that this movie might make a decent amount of money. I think movies like this should. Um, especially if it's what you're looking for, right? Like if you just want to party with some gross stuff, I've got great news. <laughs> totally, you can yeah. Do that. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad it came here and that we got to see it on uh, yeah on All Hallows Eve. It is really cool to see that in a theater, and the theater we saw it in was just such a a time travelly trip. Just dust yeah. everywhere, and it looked like no one had been there since 1992. It was awesome. Yeah, neon light strips and dusty arcade machines and a popcorn filled foosball table employees that seemed entirely disinterested again the cardboard box lined back wall which is still maybe the weirdest part for me out of all of it like what the fuck <laughs> like they're just using that theater for storage um ah, so cool and no trailers too the movie no. just started right yeah. on on the minute it said it would and i, I wasn't even there because i nor i've now catered my uh my scheduling to work around trailers so i don't show up right when the movie starts and this time i was like two minutes late because it started right away so this is my new favorite theater i think yeah and they're already chucking eyeballs around within the first like minute so I know, dude. Maybe if I if I had seen that first movie, uh, that first minute, maybe I'd uh, have a better, (laughs) I'd understand what the movie was going for more. Yeah, you know, uh, if they make Terrifier three, I'll be there. Yeah, me too. And I'm sure they probably are. I feel like it would be foolish to not try to capitalize on that. Um, you know what else might be kind of foolish? Hmm. Not checking our email. Hmm. Is that anything? (laughs) How's that for a segue? Um, so we got two more emails from our pal Shane. Uh, shout out to Shane. Thank you for sending us emails. Got two notes here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so we got some feedback around uh, our Fright Night app. He said that uh, he caught that episode, really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoys the original, I should say. He, maybe he thought the podcast was terrible. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, this shit uh, podcast reminds me of something I actually <laughs> like. Yeah, he's, like, he was talking about Fright Night being his favorite vampire movie growing up. Uh, he also said that he saw Pearl the day that he emailed us mm. and thought it was great. And I just wanted to say, we also think Pearl is great. Yeah, I think that's my favorite movie so far this year. My favorite 2022 movie yeah. and uh we haven't covered it on the pod you know i guess it does apply right it's a it's a prequel um yeah. and it is really weird that it is a prequel it's really weird they made another one so i think even though it's made a lot of money it totally applies but mitch hasn't seen it yet it's still playing in some theaters so Corey and i want to go see it again um and see it with mitch um we'll have to decide maybe maybe we'll decide to do a late episode on it but if we don't i guarantee that we'll do an episode next year on the third movie maxine uh, and then yeah. we'll talk about all three of the movies um i've, re- I've really liked both x and pearl uh but yeah. pearl was was uh was my preference i love that movie yeah and then uh also friend of the show laura also recently saw pearl and she liked it a lot as well oh sweet also uh shane asked uh did you ever get a hold of a vhs player because we mentioned looking for one, or maybe I did. Uh, no, <laughs> that has not happened yet. We got a second follow-up. Two questions. One, Liam, have you heard the cover of Don't Fear the Reaper by the Caesars? Doesn't ring a bell. It did not ring a bell to me either. 
Uh, but Shane mentions that it's a tighter runtime because there's no big instrumental part in the middle. So if we wanted to check that out, we now have that. If you want to check that out, uh, just Google it. But uh, Liam, did you know that there is a French fan film of Scream called Screen Returns and it's streaming on Tubi? No, a French fan film. I had there no idea. I wonder if, <laughs> like, does Ghostface talk French in this movie? There is. It's 50 minutes long. As Shane mentions, I don't know how it ended up on a streaming service either, but it's on Tubi. 50 minutes, French screen returns. I'm actually, I didn't even Google it when he said that. I just sort of like rolled. Oh, he might be lying. I I don't think he's lying. Because if you type in the stream returns Tubi, watch screen returns subbed. So I guess it must be French. Uh... Also, I thought we didn't get Tubi in Canada. We must because I opened it and the movie immediately started playing. Oh, oh, oh no, we do. I've used it to watch many TMAO movies. It's awesome. T- dude, T- Tubi has the most wicked horror selection. It is like it is like being in a, a video store in the early 2000s and just looking at all these direct DVD movies. It is incredible. I love so, Tubi. So I've clicked to a random scene. And it appears that the person is on the phone while playing Resident Evil 7 for the PlayStation 4 and drinking a Red Bull. This sounds incredible. It does sound pretty good. The audio was not playing. Uh, so I don't know if Ghostface is speaking English or French upon their arrival. We'll have to find out. Maybe Corey and I will watch this together and we'll get back to you for There's another di- uh, mini episode. direct footage of Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> just subtitled in french this is awesome okay we'll have to look into this we'll look into this thank you shane Um, this sounds awesome yes but thank you shane if you want to send us weird ephemera as well uh you can email us at tmaopodcast at gmail.com uh but the main hold on ghostface just appeared in the video game i need to close this (laughs) but uh, anyway Wait, how did they get Ghostface in Grand Theft Auto V? They create a character? I guess they must have modded it, probably. Just, like, modded the character model in or something. Wow, that's effort. Um, So that's kind of bananas. But what we're here to uh, talk about today at full length is actually a Mitch pick, which feels like a bit of injustice. Oh, he in dropped it and ran. However, I have been told that Mitch will be sending in thoughts. So here's my plan for that. If Mitch has sent in thoughts, I'm going to put them. I'm going to carve out a little spot where you'll hear me go like and Mitch and then they'll just play. But we don't have them right now. So we don't know if you liked it or not. And if Corey says and Mitch and no Mitch thoughts plays, everyone email mitch and call him a huge slacker because he didn't send in his thoughts he has a whole week to do it at the time of recording right now i will keep a 14 minute pause in the episode (laughs) regardless of whether he sends in anything that to say or not so that's coming up but maniac cop 3 badge of silence was narrowly chosen over maniac cop 2 which mitch was saying that he likes quite a bit i'll leave that to him but liam you big maniac cop head 
No, not a big one. I I only checked it out after um, Mitch told me about it a couple months ago. We were out playing pool, and I remember Mitch saying that he had like watched Maniac Cop the night before and got halfway through Maniac Cop two. And I've heard of the movies. I knew that they were directed by the same dude who directed the original Maniac, um, and they just come up as you know '80s slasher movies. So I, I had been meaning to get to them, and so the fact that Mitch was working his way through them inspired me. And so I think I went home that night and i watched the first maniac cop i quite liked it um it's it's uh it's kind of a cute little like crime urban legend action slasher hybrid um and uh it's it's fun and then i i didn't get to the second one um and uh, with Mitch not here, you know, I figured uh, I, I figured I uh, was going to watch the second one and then I could bounce off Mitch with it. But when we got when we got the news that Mitch went AWOL, I, I just jumped right to the third one. So I've seen the first and now I've seen the third and uh, and, and that's it. I think the, fir- the first one is 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 pretty good. It's not a it's not an immediate favorite, but it's pretty good. I was familiar with the title of the movie, but as you heard last week, I did just confuse it with Maniac. Um, Maniac Standard. Fair misunderstanding. Interestingly, uh, the director of this movie did direct Maniac. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I wasn't that... He's he's the Maniac director. That's right. Literally and figuratively. He also produced the remake of Maniac. Whenever he there's did. something called Maniac, he's William involved. William Lustig was, is there. <laughs> was he in the Jonah Hill? Was that like Jonah Hill Emma Stone show? I think that was called Maniac. Let's let's figure out it if was. he was involved. Yeah, surely he must have been. Maybe they had to at least like they had to pay him royalties for just yeah, using un- the name. Uncredited ghostwriter royalties on the title. Yes, because a lot of people don't know this, but if you ask Miriam Webster who invented the word maniac. A lot of people don't know this. It was William Lustig. He coined that phrase. That's right. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing beforehand. It's like, uh, it's like the Babadook. It just, it wasn't a word that existed until that movie came along. Before maniac came out, everybody who sort of fit that description was, uh, called, called a freak weirdo. Yeah. This dude, he he figured it out, made it succinct. And then with it established, you know, he could, he could broaden the horizons, do maniac cop, still waiting for the movie Babadook cop, but I'm sure it's going to (laughs) happen now that we all understand what that means. (laughs) Paranormal activity cop. (laughs) (laughs) Brahms, the boy cop. Oh gosh, I would love that. (laughs) You can just kind of put cop on the end of any movie title and it gets way better. So Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence. They never explained what the Badge of Silence is. But um Yeah, I can't tell if that's like profound or or absolutely meaningless. Meaningless. Badge of silence. Maybe it means that like when someone becomes a police officer that they're taking an oath to uh be quiet about injustices within the police force. They're taking a, like a vow of silence as I mean, indicated maybe. by their badge. I I don't think that applies here though because there's a bunch of other people that are also doing that that aren't police officers. Yeah, I guess it's like it's the more journalists of a are bad, the, lo- the lawyers are bad, you know, the politicians are bad. We're all born and stamped with a badge of silence immediately. Damn. 
this movie is, uh, however, not necessarily strictly about that more than it's about uh, the resurrection of like a, a demon cop who has had several previous adventures, presumably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, he is, has been resurrected to protect the dying wife of Kate the cop cop Kate who has uh, a reputation for being uh, like violent and aggressive with uh, suspects and is maniac Kate in nickname and there's like this violent robbery where like edited video taken by like a night crawlery scummy kind of news team makes it look like she was just out here shooting people with reckless abandon and then she's almost dying and so there's one guy on the force who wants to like clear her name the same guy who cleared maniac cop's name of being the maniac cop despite the fact that as far as i can tell the maniac cop is very much the maniac cop despite whatever he didn't do in a previous movie but we've got mckinney who wants to you know clear kate's name and make sure she's good to go and there's just random priest who is resurrecting maniac cop for reasons and then uh it just kind of goes from there it sort of turns into like bride of maniac cop near the end because he's got like some sort of wanted like wants to have some sort of demon post-life relationship with kate that uh uh our friend republican cop does not want we'll get into that shortly <laughs> it's the gist of the movie uh cast and crew wise we've already got william lustig directing it he's known for maniac cop and also maniac and then the remake of maniac so <laughs> there's also an uncredited director note on imdb for joel soissant who uh soissant i'm saying it that way it's s-o-i-s-s-o-n i think it's soissant maybe that's just the canadian coming out but uh, he's got some hilarious, incredible, they made another one ass credits to his name, including The Prophecy, Uprising, Children of the Corn, Genesis, Hellraiser, Hellworld, Highlander, Endgame, and Dracula 3, Legacy. Wow. I don't even know what half that shit is. Oh my gosh, I gotta update our list again. Yeah, we're never going to be free from this until we just sort of die. Yeah. Like. And even then, the debt is going to be passed on to our uh, our next of kin. That's true. A lot of people don't know that. Um, you know, and depending on when the day comes, like you might listen to a podcast that's like run by our parents <laughs> who are oh. stuck <laughs> watching <Yes>. these movies. <laughs> Feel like in our grim business. After the maniac cop or Clancy Brown or whoever finally comes for their grim revenge. It's entirely possible. Wasn't Clancy Brown a maniac cop in that movie? Yes, precisely. Wow. I think we got to be careful about what we say today. Yeah. For fear of uh, drawing the ire of the titular maniac cop three. Uh, We've got Larry Cohen writing. I'm very pleased to note that this uh, he wrote a trilogy of movies that has the perfect they made another one progression. He First of all, he wrote a movie called The Stuff, which is the one that I had heard of. Uh, this is a really cool movie. Yeah. Uh, but he also wrote It's Alive. Yeah. It Lives Again. 
and It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, or as I would call it, It's Alive Goes Hawaiian. Yes. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> so, he is prolific. Um, this so, dude, he's just, the, he's the master of like the the schlock from the 70s. Um, and, the stuff uh, is that movie that's just sort of like, what if shaving cream killed you? Like, it's just like big piles of stuff. I yeah. guess that's why it's called that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's that's how it looks in the movie. It's it's actually a food item. It's never really explained like what the food is, but it the stuff is it's I guess it's sort of I don't know like frozen yogurt or something. It's this stuff that like people just keep eating and they're like, oh yo, it tastes so good, and then it it kills them. And um, it's sort of a blob type movie, you know, where the corporation is evil. Uh, some some other cool movies he did. He actually wrote the script for um, Phone Booth starring Colin Farrell. Uh, oh yeah, we've talked about Joel that Schumacher. I love that movie, yeah. and that was an idea that he he had. I think back into the seventies and eighties, and then he finally got it produced in uh, in the early two thousands. That I've always thought that's really cool. Nice, that is cool. Yeah, so shout out to Larry. Uh, for some reason, this movie has three editors. Just seems like a lot to me. Um, Michael Elliott worked on a bunch of Stargate stuff and also the Untouchables TV show and Showdown in Little Tokyo. David Kern had uh, some credits on Talladega Nights, which I mention every time I can. Um, uncredited editing work on Fast and Furious 5 through 9. Uncredited? Also- hey, the unsung hero. Yeah, and also Class of 1999 to The Substitute. That's come up a few times, man. It has. We've got to fill that out. If there's ever a movie that I've, I've noticed it a lot, like I try to mention it every time I see it come up. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to, uh, to have the statistics of, of how much we've mentioned particular movies, movies on this podcast. Oh. I wonder what the, the top one would be. And I said very specifically, I'd love to have those statistics as opposed to I'd love to go back and find those statistics because I wouldn't love to do that. But I would love no. to to have the result. If somebody wants to listen to this podcast from the beginning and also open a spreadsheet, you'd be making our life a lot easier. <laughs> I'll tell yeah, you that. That'd be great. I'd pay you. Yeah, a modest amount. We're not yeah. made of money. I, I would pay you every cent I've ever made from this podcast. <laughs> Tough sell. <laughs> um, uh, and then Rick Tuber. Um, we're done. Dang, Karate Kid the, 3. They made another one of names. Yeah, Rick Tuber. <laughs> He's the second one. Uh, Karate Kid 3 and also Baywatch Nights. Mm. The cinematographer is actually someone who will be familiar to us, but first I'm going to start with a bunch of his credits that I named because they're funny. Um, Jacques Haitkin. If does that name ring a bell yet? No, it will. Uh, he was the special camera operator for break into electric boogaloo, which has also come up a few times. He was wow. the second unit camera operator for race car on Talladega Nights, which I'm mentioning again on purpose. And he shot the first two Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Wow. I, I never would have guessed. Wow. That's Nightmare cool. It's, two, its anniversary was yesterday. Hey, that's fun. 
you yeah. gotta you gotta post uh, your Nightmare on Elm Street two costume for the people. I don't know. I, I mean, the only picture I have of it is that video screenshot I sent to you. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, the still frame. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any other ones. Yeah, it was a cool costume though. Corey dressed up as uh, Jesse. Yeah, that's his name, right, Jesse? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Corey got a shirt that looked very similar to the the shirt, the kind of like uh, pastel shirt that Jesse wears. And Corey got the sunglasses and the the jeans and uh, a little Freddy glove. It was really cool. Thanks. Uh, for anybody who's curious, uh, Liam did a group costume with his band, and uh, they all dressed up like Disney's Recess. That's and it right. was sick as fuck. That's right. <laughs> if you can, awesome. if you can guess which Recess character I was, um, I will do whatever movie you want as my pick. I'll I'll pay you every cent of money I've made from this podcast. <laughs> there you go, double pronged prize for you. T- TMAO podcast at gmail If you can guess which Recess character Liam was dressed as. He also shot Bloodsport too. I know that's that's vitally important information. Um, then we've got Joel Goldsmith on the music on the ones and twos. He also did a bunch of Stargate stuff, including Stargate SG One, um, and a little bit of the Untouchables TV series, and also a movie called Chameleon Three: Dark Angel. Hmm. I bet that's on Tubi. Probably. Uh, I'll try to. So I didn't get credits for everybody in this cast because I was top heavy with a lot of the credits, uh, but I had my reasons. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, Officer Matt Cordell, aka the Maniac Cop. He's played by Robert Zadar. Liam, are you familiar with Robert Zadar? No, not from anything other than these movies. I think because he is in the first one. He. Uh... At least I recognized him, unless they did a Crispin Glover type thing. Yeah. No, he is in all of them. Okay. But if if you have seen certain movies or have watched a lot of Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst, you will know Robert Zadar. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you snuck by me. I mean, I've seen certain movies. I don't know if they're the right certain ones, but I have, have seen... Have you seen... Let's start with the one that you'd pro- that's probably a no, and then I'll keep going. Have you seen Tango and Cash? No. Just a normal movie. Have you seen Samurai Cop? No. Okay. Have you seen... I wonder if he plays the Samurai Cop. He can embody both a maniac and a samurai. He does not play the Samurai Cop. I can tell you that. Oh, okay. Have you seen Killing American Style? No. (laughs) Have you seen Beastmaster 2 through the portal of time? I've I haven't seen any of these movies and it's a binary as to whether I've seen them either a yes or no but I feel like as you go on I've seen these movies even less and less. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing movies. that on purpose because the last credit is the funniest to me. I had never heard of this Guns of El Chupacabra 2: The Unseen. <laughs> that is one of my most watched movies of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one <laughs> no. of those like Leave It to Beaver sleeper <laughs> <Yeah>. hits. <laughs> I would always double feature it with Leave It to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver and Guns of El Chupacabra <laughs> to the Unseen. Um, so anyway, his trademark quality, according to IMDb, is that he has a large face. And he does. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, the Maniac Cop is not wearing a prosthetic. He just has a really big jawline. Wow. Yeah, that's just Robert Zadar's regular jawline. That's incredible. Yeah. So uh, he literally was a character named Face in Tango and Cash. That's badass. Um, so 
in the group chat the other day, I said that one of these uh, actors led me down a weird Republican rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out who it might be throughout the entire movie, and I was that getting real suspicious other, of everyone. None other than Detective Lieutenant Sean McKinney, played by Robert Davey, a.k.a. basically the protagonist of the movie. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. So I'm going to read these credits in a really weird order on purpose. I'm going to read them in the reverse order of how I wrote them down. Uh, Halo 2, the video game. Uh, Die Hard, the movie. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, the video game. He plays Ghostface in that one. He does. (laughs) The music video for Burning Up by the Jonas Brothers. (laughs) Oh, that's a great song. In that case, I've seen him in that. Yeah, I just rewatched the music video earlier. First of all, that song is good. I I love the Jonas Brothers, yeah. dude. Their music uh, is like second it's of great. all, that music video is fucking awesome. That music yeah. video has dude David Carradine and Danny Trejo in it. Aren't they like? I can remember um, <laughs> the dude who does the the rap. What is it, Big Black or? a big rob or something doesn't he like go into a ball pit or like they're going down some slides or something um so the music videos they're like reading scripts they were like given scripts for something and they're reading them and like nick jonas is doing like a james bond thing and he rescues selena gomez from like a room of lasers and uh joe jonas is doing uh like a miami vice thing and then kevin jonas is doing like a kung fu thing and they all get their own little like movie vignettes that have those celebrities in them okay cool yeah maybe i'm thinking of something else then i'm much more familiar with the music video for sos which is also a great oh, song good fucking song. so this is not something okay we're gonna talk about this now for a second we're gonna talk- save the bad politics we're gonna talk about the jonas brothers so i am essentially unfamiliar with the current output of the individual Jonas Brothers because I believe they're not really making family band music currently like family uh, I think well I think they got back together a couple years ago and they put out yeah they put out the new a new song um I'm a sucker for you oh that's a Jonas Brothers song yeah 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 Oh, I, I don't know if that led to a full album, but they definitely did uh, tours again. So I, th- I think they're back on good terms. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, but what I was going to say was I definitely listened to some Jonas Brothers when I was growing up because we all did. Like this song came out 10 years ago. Like this is the sweet spot for us. We were like 12. Like this was going to hit like every time. Maybe it came up more than 10 years ago. Definitely more than 10 years ago, bro. It had, video, like, the it had to be like 14 said, years ago. The YouTube video said 10 years, but maybe that's just when it got uploaded to YouTube, right? So maybe I'll yeah, yeah, look this yeah. up. No, they, 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 were, they were like 2006 to like 2009. Yeah, it's got to be earlier. Let me look this up. Let's not talk completely out of my ass. It was 2008. For burning so it up. Was, so make that what? How many years ago was that then? 14? 14 years ago. Okay, 14. Don't worry. The music video is in 4K. Maybe that's why it was uploaded later, because it's a 4K music video from nine years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, it literally is a remastered upload of the music video. Like I'm being, like it just genuinely is, according to the description. Nice. <laughs> but um, anyway, so let me ad- amend those ages. So that was 14 years ago. So how old was I 14 years ago? I was 11. We were the in like and then like 10, nine, whatever. 
we were the target demographic for this music generally speaking um and i hadn't gone back to it uh but these hits the hits fuck they're still good they are dude i I never left holy shit um like Like, did i miss out on the jonas brothers deep cuts do i have to go do some research no i don't think i know any deep cuts but i bet you did Uh, honestly i bet we did miss out because the singles are so good that i i bet they they do have some sick stuff boys were on to something but even like the deeper singles that didn't get played all the time like they have a song called tonight from that burning up album that's awesome um hold on might be my favorite jonas brothers song that was a single as well but it didn't get as much play as sos and when you look me in the eyes and stuff hold on is a great just like pop punk awesome oh, nice songs and uh they wrote a lot of their songs themselves too like they they're they're really great uh, musicians i love them yeah so shout out to the jonas brothers uh shout out to uh someday we'll do camp rock on the show Oh, dude, it'll hurt to do the second one over the first one, but I'll double, I'll double feature them, and we can talk about some of the. the heat <laughs> I would love in that to hear you talk movie. about Camp Rock. Oh, that would be a blast. I feel like we're missing because I didn't. I don't, I do not think I had a Camp Rock phase at all. Though nice. I will say, uh, comparatively, I do remember seeing High School Musical three in theaters for some reason. Hmm. Um, so if we ever get to that. I can talk about that experience. And I feel like anytime I see a clip from high school musical now, I'm like, Oh, this is just camp. Like, this is just fine. Like everybody's just clearly doing a bit. And I think that's great. Oh (laughs) yeah. Dude bet on it where he sings in like (laughs) rolling fields all by himself, just on the hilltops. Or is it, is that when he's on like the golf course and the color grading is so bright? Yeah. That that must be like a neon planet. Yeah. That must be what I'm thinking of is the golf course. I thought it was just like a hilly landscape is so green. It's like unbelievable. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like we need to find more excuses on this show to just reminisce because we're finally getting to a point where like we can do that. And the thing is sort of old now. Yeah. But like, Shout out to High School Musical, probably better than I would have given it credit for turning my nose up at it because like it was for girls or something stupid like that when I was like 10. Mm-hmm. Like, probably pretty good. <laughs> like That has nothing to do with this man's politics, though, I regret to inform you. Uh, so as we keep going, there's this weird movie coming out about Ronald Reagan. He's in that. Uh, he He's in this movie called Roe v. Wade that it's like a weird propaganda movie basically uh, yeah. i was on this wikipedia page a couple of weeks ago actually and this ca- this came out like a few years ago right yeah but he's got one that came out very recently uh called my son hunter that he directed oh, no that stars a bunch of the worst people so let me pull up this list to make sure that i get it absolutely right it's from this year my son hunter is a film directed by robert davey and starring lawrence fox gina carano and john james the film centers on hunter biden the son of u.s president joe biden in 2021 donald trump accused hunter biden of corruption that's the basis of the film the film centers on what is literally described as quote allegations made by trump allies and he went out of his way to direct this movie what the fuck? Well, <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> uh-huh. So that movie is not great. And then you go, huh, what else can I learn about this guy? 
And then you go, I guess I'll look at Robert Davies' Wikipedia page. Huh. He replaced Jerry Doyle as a radio host for the nationally syndicated radio program on Talk Radio Network. Huh, what does that mean? That's weird. He had like a talk radio career? How did he end up there? And then you realize, okay, so he endorsed Trump twice. He's been on Fox News a bunch. But what does that tell me about talk talk radio network? And then you look into that um, and you realize it's done this the Savage Nation, which is Michael Savage's show, and then Coast to Coast AM, which is a show that uh, – was used to sort of basically be about like paranormal conspiracy theories, like Bigfoot and UFOs and shit, and just sort of became like an anti-vax show, more or less. Uh, Jerry Boyle was just sort of this like libertarian political, like standard in the mold of like Rush Limbaugh radio host. And this dude who's in this movie took over his show on this network. Wow. I know, right? Weird. That is weird, man. I guess... So, it, oh, my gosh. So he's uh, a serial endorser of the worst people you can think of. And also in the music video for Burn It Up by the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, nobody's perfect and nobody is imperfect. <laughs> in that, it, yeah. In that music video, uh, Nick Jonas is playing against him in what appears to be Mahjong in their James Bond scene and like beats him at Majok and it seems to make him very upset. That wasn't acting. No, Nick Jonas is just extremely good at the very uh, seemingly complicated game Majok. I say complicated because anytime I feel like I try to watch people watch it, I just get confused really fast because it's a lot of tiles and there's just a lot of stuff going on. But I'm sure I could learn. Oh, I bet you could. TMAOpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you want an episode where we learn how to play Majok. And then we watch the end of Crazy Rich Asians and, and understand it. Because that climax is kind of... Do they play Mahjong in that they, movie? They do in a very climactic scene. And uh, I think understanding how to play Mahjong would have helped me. Right. Yeah, I could t- it's, it's like when you watch a cricket highlight. And you're like, well, that was interesting, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> so that's that's Robert. That's our main character, basically. Uh, we've got Caitlin Delaney as Dr. Fowler. She is the mom in Project X. Were you a Project X guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey? Oh, yeah. I had like a full Project X. Like, I thought that it was so cool. Like, Interesting. I know. It's weird a little bit. But yeah, I, I was like very into Project X. So that one is like found footage, right? Like that's um, the yeah, it's like that's found the conceit footage. of it. It's like a found footage party movie, right? And I think it was produced by Will Ferrell. Um, I say that because in probably around 2011 or so, I was at a friend's house, and at like 2 a.m., a movie was on TV, and uh, I never checked to see what movie it was, and I didn't catch it from the beginning, so I don't know that it was Project X, but it was it was a found footage party movie, and I think I saw at the end it said produced by Will Ferrell, and so I've always, that, that movie has always kind of stuck in my head as like one of those movies that I just, I, uh, caught in like a whirlwind and um it's like in this nebulous state where i don't exactly know 
what I saw, but it sounds yeah. like it was Project X, in which case I would be very interested to rewatch that movie. Yeah. Early role from Miles Teller. Right, yeah. I think Dax yeah. Lame shows up in it as well. I was about to I was about to say specifically for Keiki's benefit that Dax Flame shows up in this movie because I, I mean I don't know if you're a big Dax Flame person, but the only person I, I had ever heard talk about Dax Flame, aside I guess from you, was Keiki. So. No, Keiki and I text about Dax Flame whenever a new video comes out. <laughs> How often is that? Uh if we're lucky once a week. Um, but sometimes it feels like the spaces in between are, are a bit larger. I don't think he's on a schedule, but you'll get you'll get a, a, a couple to a few a month. Interesting. That also is not this movie. So we're getting there slowly. Yeah. But sure. Gretchen Becker plays Officer Kate Sullivan. Uh, she was in Ed Wood. Apparently, it's kind of neato. Uh, Paul Gleason plays Hank who I think is one of the lawyers, maybe. <laughs> I don't honestly remember already. But he is the principal in The Breakfast Club. Oh, yes, dude. Yeah, I recognized him. Um, yeah. Dude, Breakfast Club, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we've brought it up, but I'll say it again. I think I might have to readjust my rating scale, you know, like on Letterboxd, it's one to five, and you can do half stars. I have a lot of five out of five movies. But maybe I need to adjust because in my head, I know that Breakfast Club is like an 11 out of 10 movie as compared okay. to a 10 out of 10. And if yeah. I can make that distinction in my head, maybe that means that I just need to take my five out of five movies on Letterboxd, move them down to a 4.5, and then just give the fives to like Breakfast Club back Great to the future um, mean creek you know sleepaway camp those heaters and and maybe some other stuff has to go down a bit because uh, breakfast Club, right 11 well, you know 10. how we do like math and it's based on like the decimal system like it's 10 point numbers it could have been like 12 yeah. point but we didn't do that as humanity we we went with the 10 point way or at least whoever like colonized enough of the world did um you need to shift to like a the base foundation is the breakfast club and then everything else is graded around it. Oh gosh, yes, maybe. Maybe. Like the platonic ideal of a film is just the breakfast club and then everything else is just what is it relative to the breakfast club? Yeah, Letterbox needs to in install a breakfast club button where it's like one to five or breakfast club. Yeah, or it should like let like if you choose your favorites, like it should let you rank them uniquely. <laughs> Where it's like you could give like the Breakfast Club like a fuck yeah out of five, and like then that is like a <laughs> metric against which you can grade other things. <laughs> like how many Breakfast Clubs is this, and <laughs> does that make it a fuck yeah out of five as well? Oh, that's true, man. I wish that I, I just had the fortitude to be able to like sort all the movies i've seen like that like i want to be able to go in to my letterbox go to every movie i've ever seen which i try to have on there and then like rank it from literally from best to worst what would yeah. be at the top what would be at the very bottom that would be so fun my letterbox is missing so much stuff that i know that i've seen that i don't i just don't have the time to like go find and categorize it all like, yeah yeah whenever one just pops into my head i think of a movie that you know i haven't seen since i got letterbox but i'm reminiscing about it i'll i'll look it up quickly and i'll just like put a 
put a quick I've seen it or I'll put a rating as to what I remember and I'll just get it down and then sometimes it works out like I'll think of a movie I'll be like oh I haven't thought of this movie in a long time I'll go put it on Letterboxd and then it turns out I already rated it um, despite not having seen it in a few years so so that's fun oh, nice nice um, we've got friend of the show Jackie Earl Haley as Frank He's Freddy Krueger, but not the good one. <laughs> right? Yeah, I Maybe didn't recognize him. Yeah, but no, I th- I think it's I think it's uh, apt. <laughs> He's also in a movie that has a great title, so I'm going to read it exactly as it's written, like grammatically and everything. If you'll if you'll indulge me here, I know it's been 52 minutes, but bear with me. We had a lot of Jonas Brothers talk to get to. So this movie is called. Oh no, not them. What? How is that written? Is there caps in there? All caps? Yeah. So so it's oh no exclamation point not and then them is all caps with an exclamation point. So it's oh no not them. Wow. Like you really the them. Gotcha. You know. <laughs> uh, okay. Let me rip through the remainder of these so we can uh, get to the 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 get to the point here. We've got Julius Harris. As a name I don't know how to say, Houngen Malfator, maybe? I think he's the priest. Wow. Okay. Um, he was in the taking of Pelham 123, the 76 King Kong, Live and Let Die, the Friday the 13th, the series. And then Grand Bush plays William. He was uh, in Exorcist 3, License to Kill, Street Fighter, the movie. Those were the last of the credits I wrote down because I was on a bit of a time crunch. So then we've got Doug Savant, Robert Forster, Bobby DeSicco, or maybe DeChico. I don't know. Uh, Frank Pesci, Lou Diaz, Brenda Varda, Vanessa Marquez, Jeffrey Anderson Gunter, Joffrey Brown, and Vinnie Curto. Nice. You guys did it. We did it. Great job, everybody. You maniac copped it up in there. <laughs> you guys went crazy. Um, so all that's now that we've look, we've look, we're 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 there. We've done it. So I guess I'll leave this dude. Do you want me to go first because I haven't seen it, or do you want do you want to go first because you have seen a maniac cop? Like, how do we want to? Sure. Yeah. You you go first. Why don't you? Uh, Mitch isn't okay. here. We'll switch things up. Yeah. Fuck it. You know when the what is it when the when the cat's away? Is it cat? And then mice play. Oh, I guess that would make sense. I don't know if I've heard this saying. Does that that make sense? That should be. That doesn't feel right. I know what you mean. When When the the cat's away, the mice will play. That is it. Why does that sound wrong? I don't know. I think it sounds very right. Weird. Anyway. Um I thought this movie was just sort of okay. (laughs) Me too. Like, I can't. I can't wait. I'll just commiserate immediately. Me too, Corey. Um, it, it was giving me a little bit of Hellraiser Inferno. If we can throw back all the uh, way to the beginning, if uh, they made another one. Yeah, I I, that, I really understand. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even need to elaborate. Just go <laughs> listen to the other episode. <laughs> go listen to the first ep- over a hundred and fifty podcasts ago. Go back. We might even be near 200 now. I have no idea, but go back and figure it out. Oh, we got to watch Troll 2 again. Um, but yeah, I think I know what you mean, though. It gets sort of bogged down in like self-serious crime talk. 
and also like something vaguely religiously occult, but you don't really know what it is. Yeah. Like the first kill in Hellraiser Inferno is in that church with all the stained glass and stuff. And like that keeps kind of coming up. But then you're like, now we're doing a kill with like an ice cream truck, but then everybody's taking it really seriously, you know? I do know. Yeah, this movie felt to me like um, uh, kind of like I know the 90s horror movies get a lot of flack. And to be fair, it's probably one of my lesser seen decades of, of horror movies. But this feels to me like what I don't like yes. why why the 90s would get a bad yes. rap like this is like after silence of the lambs where horror mo- but before scream where horror movies think that they have to be um really uh like everything is just seven everything yeah everything is seven <laughs> i think before seven even yeah but before seven yeah, it's did that well enough that we all stopped trying yeah, it's it's all just like very very adult and slow and um like this is a movie where a guy gets resurrected for the second time and is basically doing like bride of maniac cop. Like he just wants like an eternal wife that somebody is trying to protect her from like a doomed fate, but they're treating it like fucking law and order. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Like I wish it was more Bride of Maniac Cop. Um, yeah. it ends so I up can't just take hinting credit at for it. that coin of phrase. That is from a letterbox review that somebody wrote, but it was very apt. The so, law of order thing? No, law the bride of bride of maniac cop. Oh yeah, no, I I totally get it. Yeah, it um I, I wish they did it more. I wish they had the maniac cop like talk more in this movie and he would just go my wife and i wish that <laughs> i wish that he my was God. really pining for her. um but it, it ends up the movie just like it's so bogged down and convoluted and um and it just is trying to be like a a really hard-boiled like almost hard-boiled yeah kind of thing yeah and i think i think it's a shame i mean I, I was it's a little I, bit postman always rings twice in that sense of it's trying to do this really like adult kind of thing and you're just like I don't really I'm not here with you man like yeah I, I totally agree and I think the the moments where the movie comes alive is when it gets sillier um in like the third act we, we have some wicked fire stunts where the yeah. maniac cop is driving a car and that was awesome. But the, the first Maniac Cop, it, it also kind of rides this line between like a crime mystery movie and a slasher. So I guess it's it's on brand that this movie is uh, isn't as schlocky as you might expect. But I think this movie pushes it a bit too far into the hard boiled direction. Um, and I think that it, it needs a bit more fun and action and this movie is called maniac cop three badge of silence bro yeah maybe why (sighs) not like like it's literally called maniac cop (laughs) like what are we doing yeah yeah and so it it ends up having having some fun and i thought that even that fun went on too long like when the maniac cop <laughs> is is uh on fire and there's like a car chase it goes i thought forever. that was awesome and then it keeps going and they don't have any more tricks up their sleeve and so every once in a while i was like oh it's it's cool that this dude is still on fire and like i can tell that's a real person so that's sweet but i'm actually not getting 
any more out of it. I'm just being forced to remind myself that it's cool because like I'm searching for any sort of gratification from this movie. And that the first Maniac Cop actually also has some wicked stunts in it. In fact, it has one stunt at the end of, of uh, the movie where um, a truck like drives off a bridge into some water. I think it's a bridge. And there are people on the side of the truck and they go flying through the air as the truck Holy flips shit. into the water. And it might be the coolest stunt I've ever seen in my life. So I really respected that this movie also had some sweet practical stunts um mostly with the maniac cop whoever was that stuntman uh should have got bank on this movie because he put himself through a lot of being set on fire um but i i I, sorry to say he put his life on the line and i wish there was more of it or at least i I wish he hadn't bothered (laughs) or or he hadn't bothered yeah because i think it it just light up up, a dummy bro (laughs) yeah it ends up being a bit of a, a bit of a letdown yeah, I mean, like there are mo- like there are some moments where I thought the hard boiled kind of neo noiry direction worked. I like the opening where Kate's in like the gun range, the shooting range, and he just walks in and they're talking about like, "Ah, oh, you worked too hard. It's your birthday. Go have fun." Hey, and she's like, "Um, too busy being a cop." And they say, "I'm too violent." Hey, hey. like I kind of like that. <laughs> that scene i I really like that too i thought i i think they're both really good actors Um, i talked a lot of shit about robert davy earlier but i have to give him this i do like him in this movie yeah me too me too and i think it it establishes a cool dynamic i think the characterization um of each of them they're they're different from each other and i like seeing them talk to each other i like when uh he says something about how she's shooting these targets and they're they're anonymous and she says maybe they're not so anonymous to me and she just like unloads at the target and yeah. I'm and, and I'm thinking oh what has this character been through what is she what is she thinking about where is she coming from and that doesn't actually end up getting explored as much as I'd like cuz she gets put in the hospital so quickly Yeah it feels like the character was kind of an afterthought which is weird because they set her up to be so focal and then it just is not the focal point of the movie. Um, like it turns into this weird, like, like shortly after that exact scene, the maniac cop is literally throwing a guy in the air and going skeet shooting with his body. Like the, the back and forth between those two different focuses is kind of strange. And, um, I, I just, it doesn't feel very cohesive because it's got occasionally interesting thoughts uh be it about what might be going on internally with the characters or just about like corruption in general whether among the police where they're just sort of like laughing off excessive force complaints uh or you know like backdoor deals to get like people off of you know punishment and being able to (laughs) commercialize it because they were mistreated now that we've created a narrative where they were mistreated or whatever you want to go with but um like occasionally it's got an interesting idea and then it just sort of fizzles out and goes nowhere. And it all sort of goes back to Robert Davy just sort of being grizzled, but caring. And it's just like, okay, but like, I don't want to watch him smoke a cigarette and talk to somebody for 10 minutes. And then the lamest kill with the maniac cop I've ever seen, like, Oh no, you've turned on the x-ray machine and I don't have a vest on. So it's going to like melt his face, but we don't see it. 
And I'm just sort of like, oh, okay. Yes, yeah. Like, I wish we saw that. That was a letdown as well. Um, it's and got yeah. a good sleazy like New York feel, but it doesn't like amount to a lot. Yeah, I just wish it went to to further extremes. Um, like the the Robert Davies character, he is he's very cool and grizzled. He's he's almost too cool. Um, like if he had been, because he's very he's very he's very charismatic. He's very confident. Um, so if he had been like an Ash Williams from Evil Dead, where he just gets pushed to the limit, and so you get to to see his uh, his coolness break down, or at least his coolness filtered through like terror um i think that would be really cool but even in the action scenes where he's like shooting people and avoiding being shot himself um he's just never seems afraid or when the cop is when the maniac cop is chasing him while on fire he doesn't seem afraid at all he's just he's calm and collected the whole time and maybe that's the difference between an action movie and a horror movie maybe your protagonist in an action movie is often more put together um and your your protagonist in a horror movie is afraid of the situation and i guess i just wish that that he had been more afraid even though he does do some badass stuff like when he shoots the people in the hospital he first does it from like beneath this surgical sheet oh and that was this so kind of cool that like was cool he does this cool roll where like he goes through a window and then stops himself with his foot on the frame of the window and goes back the yeah. other way to like fake the dude out that, that was cool yeah this movie's got moments um it's got those cool moments like you're saying some of the effects are cool it is hilarious when the maniac cop throws a guy in the air and goes skeet shooting like that's just objectively hilarious i don't care who you are um and that they were flashing back to a different scene presumably in the first movie where he also threw somebody really hard uh that did make me laugh but um uh, yeah it just doesn't coalesce into a lot like you can have a magnetic presence and some cool effects but it's just sort of like you know even the wittier lines where the, yeah they're talking about the lawyer and the city representative are like yeah we can cut a deal to like get the standard commercial exploitation of the story it's just like it just falls flat when i feel like the movie's not actually making a point it just needed some snappy dialogue for these people to say before they got murdered so i'm just kind of like okay that's fine like yeah i think this is sort of the epitome of like a, a direct-to-dvd or direct to VHS late sequel where it's like, you've just, you've got to put the movie together. It's got to look like a movie. It's got to feel like a movie. Um, but you know, you're the main point is that it gets out so that people can rent it. You're not putting as much, uh, time or, or money or resources yeah, into which is actually fleshing good, it out. But then the rest of it's just sort of like whatever. Yeah, yeah, like the climax of this movie after the maniac cop is on fire and they have this chase, which is cool. Um, like I said, they didn't really have anywhere to go after that. Um, and so the the big climax here, it, it needed to be a bigger final stunt, I think, because all they do is Robert Davies gets um, some space from the maniac cop after the car does like a little side flip. And then the car explodes, and then he just walks off into the distance with his lass. It's very 
very uh, underwhelming. And I just I wish that basically at every turn, the movie had felt a bit more uh, confident, had had a bit more of a of a point of view, because it ends up just being stuff I feel like I've seen before in movies that I already don't like that much. Like this feels yeah. like this feels like it's it's inspired by direct to video movies. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's got flashes of style and flashes of charisma and flashes of cool stunts or effects or whatever, but yeah, it just never amounts to much. And I can't even tell like why make a third Maniac Cop movie? And I know like Maniac Cop inherently is a kind of silly idea. Like it's a slasher in a very direct sense of just like we've got a guy who uses like guns <laughs> to to kill. Uh and like weird blunt force trauma like you're just here to see a guy kill some people that's what the movie is um so i don't get why you go this direction for something that's still like got the expectation built in of a very different kind of movie like maybe part of the disappointment is just born of like well this doesn't really feel like what a movie called maniac cop 3 is what i assumed so i wonder like why that decision was even made yeah it might be as simple as like the first two made money and uh now it's a property and the third one would uh would bring kashish in i mean uh, it's i don't think it's a coincidence that this movie like doesn't have the same people from uh the first movie or even outside of larry cohen i guess but yeah and outside of the maniac cop but like bruce campbell who who i referenced with with ash he is in in the maniac cop yeah and he's in the sequel too Oh really? And I've I've read here that um uh the um Robert Davies is also in the second movie. Yes. So yeah. um maybe maybe it works better after seeing the second movie because it's sort of a uh it works as like a passing of the baton from from Bruce Campbell to Robert Davies where Robert can be the main character in the second movie but Bruce Campbell is still around and then it fully gets passed over in the third movie Um, and I've heard that that second one is really good so I want to check it out but I feel like um, this third one if that second one it does have that heat this third one might just be um, you know the extraneous leftovers where they didn't know what to do with it anymore yeah yeah you're probably right it's just a little bit slow in plotting at points and like, you know, doesn't pack a whole lot of move. These are all sort of vague and like esoteric sounding, nit- like not nitpicks, but like negative points. But just like if you were to watch the movie, it just sort of like happens in front of you, you know, like it's there's not a lot of direct investment. So it's it's diff- it makes it di- it's hardest to talk about the movies that aren't like outright garbage, but just don't have a lot going on because that's all you can kind of say about it is like i do feel like it's capturing a particular brand of like sleaze in a way of like this cityscape and everybody just being like corrupt and miserable and hard-boiled but you know i can go to a different movie for that that isn't about the third resurrection of the maniac cop or the second one or whatever yeah, yeah, like where I come down on this movie even though, you know, we've we've been uh saying why we don't love it is I think it's like it's average or or a bit below average. Yeah, like I I'd, I'd say like I'd say a 4 or a 5 out of 10. Um I I really do think that the acting is good and I even with a lot of the secondary characters like there's this one uh cop who they talk to who's like eating noodles while he's talking. I thought that guy had a heck of a presence and there's also um this doctor who uh, 
he's a young kind of doctor or he at least works in a hospital. And Brianna told me that he went on to be in Gilmore Girls. I thought he he was a really uh, um, fun dude to watch on screen. So I, I think like the movie is pretty competent on a surface level but i think you know when you really dig into it and when you know i'm so in the habit of like seeing movies i love it's sort of a shame to see a movie that uh i i just think is okay yeah this is just it's a movie you can watch that is is, my assessment of maniac cop 3 it's it is a movie that you can watch on your television or your computer yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I would recommend it to anyone just because there's so much more out there that they might get a stronger reaction from. Like, I, I'd even be, I'd more easily recommend a movie I really don't like to someone uh, just because it would likely elicit a stronger reaction and they might even be more likely to really like a movie I really don't like than they would to really like this movie. I just can't really see what there is to to grasp onto in this movie to love. Um, but, you know, if, if you've seen the first two, I'd say, why not finish it out? Um, and I, and I can understand, you know, like someone, if this was like the only movie that was playing on TV a lot as a kid, you'd form an attachment to it. You know, I've had movies like that as well, but just in, just in terms of a single view, it, it doesn't really, it, I don't think it. I don't think it offers much, and I'd I'd be surprised if to learn that it did offer a whole lot to to someone else. But I I wish it did, and maybe maybe Mitch will uh will will break the tie, and Mitch will be like, "Yo, I love this movie." And oh yeah, I awesome. never gave him space for that. So let me put his thoughts here. All right, here goes nothing. Maniac Cop Three Badge of Silence. Where to begin? I mean, firstly. Sorry I'm not here to talk about this one. Feels rude considering I picked it. Why is it called Badge of Silence other than the the fact that it sounds cool? I mean, I mean that's enough of a reason for me. I'm just genuinely curious if I missed an explanation. Is it our silent protagonist, the maniac cop, who, by the way, is fantastic here as he is in all the other uh, maniac cop films in the franchise? I'm guessing it could be that. I don't know why it's called Badge of Silence. Anyway, um... There's a lot of things in this movie that are worthy of praise. I'm kind of praising our, our main, main performance here, but there's also a lot of reasons why I feel less inclined to revisit this movie. I do consider this to be the weakest film in a franchise, but I, it's a pretty great franchise. Uh, I consider that for a number of reasons. I don't consider this to be a weak movie, though, not by a long shot. Uh, you could convince me to watch Maniac Cop 2 anytime, anywhere, and I would watch it, but I would feel, you know, like I said, less inclined to revisit this one. Maniac Cop 2 the franchise reached its apex. It's pretty damn good. And uh, the first one, also really good, and also just so-so. In places, I think it suffers from issues in pacing. Uh, the, this movie, uh, I didn't think the pacing was bad, but there were other things that I didn't like. The climax for this the original one extraordinary the ending's so nice that they play it twice in the second one this movie does that too with that great burning climax from the second one in maniac cop uh number two and it it gives the terminator a run for his money in terms of shooting out a police station in fantastic 1980s fashion with you know people flying through plate glass 
and officers returning fire with two hands in slow motion and um the maniac cop too is just going through with a calico which is like uh, i think a gun that's like a staple of 1980s action movies like 100 rounds never reload fantastic great meaty action and horror elements as well with how he gets set on fire this one they emulate that effect in the finale and it just kind of fucking sucks i don't like the finale in this movie at all and we can get into that in a minute but this movie feels far more cynical and by this movie i mean maniac cop 3 it feels much more cynical and overbearingly so Uh, pessimistic it's it's black satire is i think a bit meaner here and diluted uh, as a result because there there was a duality to the first and second one that made it a bit more fun and palatable this one has a bit more to say and in saying that i think it has a bit more right-wing appeal to some of its values and it's i think not as much of a hit with me and you know those values would make sense given that we're dealing with this sort of hard-boiled uh hard-nosed detective who's played wonderfully by robert davi um but it feels like the whole values of the film i think are reflected around around those sorts of talking points not just uh robert davi's character of sort of tough justice uh going against the anti-justice curse to bring back the maniac cop right it's kind of stupid and silly and uh to those talking points um but yeah robert davi is really good in that role he he takes it back from the second one he's back in the uh trench coat so to speak but uh, the script, I think, is the main problem, and the, the female characters are kind of horribly written, and so he doesn't really have a, gr- a great foil here, and he's just sort of left to his devices, and it's a shame. Um, I think the whole resurrection angle kind of stinks, and it feels needless. Uh, it feels like a stupid excuse to bring back the maniac cop. This whole title feels less essential. The kills are cool, but not nearly as fucking sick as in 1 and 2. I love the defibrillator scene. The x-ray one lost me, I think. <laughs> not nearly as good it's like ah I'm family and down they're great knicks fans and then all of a sudden he gets thrown in a fucking x-ray and uh killed with the radiation or whatever it is that they do um yeah it's the kills aren't nearly as good here they are there are some pretty cool ones though it's, st- it's still solid the maniac cop is a wonderful presence the burning effects in this climax in the climax is good uh impressive i just think it goes on and they suspend the action too long where I think it becomes kind of ridiculous. They're driving on this street that never seems to end. The kills are nowhere as close. Like as in like number two, I think the best kill in the franchise. I'm going to give you a spoiler here. So if you haven't seen number two and you, you'd like to, there's a, actually I'm not going to spoil it, but there's an essential character who's brought back from the first movie who was killed. Um, I guess call that a bit of a spoiler. Uh, but when that character is killed in brutal fashion, it's an incredible effect and none of the effects are quite as good as in the first one. It doesn't seem to reach the same kind of widespread appeal as in the second or first one, just all around less essential and uh, one I'm less enthusiastic about, but there's are some really cool things and it does capture it. It doesn't have the great nineties hip hop at the end of the second one in the credit sequence. I fucking love that. Yeah, number two is just way too much fun. This one is still fun. I'd still say if you're a fan of the franchise, it's worth seeing, but you're not going to have as much fun. And with that, I conclude my thoughts. This was longer than I had planned on being. 
But I want to thank Corey for taking the time to edit my thoughts in, and I'd like to thank all of you for taking the time to listen and hear me out. Corey and Liam, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks very much, and I'll listen when the episode comes out. Cheers. And we'll see if he broke the tie. But yeah, I, I do agree, oddly enough, that I think I'd rather suggest somebody watch a movie I hate because I think they would get a very passionate reaction than this. Not to say that I want people to have like miserable times if they also hate it, but that's at least an experience that you've had that is then, you know, something you could proceed to talk about for years. Whereas like, I don't imagine we're going to be bringing this movie up a whole lot in the coming years of our friendship and lives. No. Yeah. The, we've had other movies like this and I think it'll fall in line with them, but the chud. Yeah. Though I will say I am amazed that I got a, a Hellraiser Inferno reference in. Which is, yeah, so accurate, too, because we don't reference that movie often because yeah. it in, just slips in, right on through. In not talking about it much, it becomes the more apt comparison. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you have it, folks. Get Maniac copped, bro. So, okay, so I have a question for you. Do you think i should consider enlisting your help in narrowing down the movies i have on this mini list that i've created or should i just sort of mercilessly swing for the fences and not think about it at all ah this is this is this episode's kind of on the shorter end Corey. let's get to terrifier two length i'll help you out let's talk it through okay so i've got five things here and i'll give you a quick explanation as to why each of these are here and then we'll 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 try to get there. Oh, and we're gonna we're gonna make someone mad listening to this. We're gonna, if we don't get to these now, <laughs> it we'll get to them soon. Yes. Okay. So here are the five movies I have on this list. One, Angels in the End Zone. Yep. Uh, we have not done a movie like that in a while. Uh, I guess. Well, I guess uh, Sandlot Two is kind of that, but it doesn't have a title like Angels in the End Zone. <laughs> so. Uh, really, I was I was attracted to that on the list because that title is very funny, and uh, I'm curious about it. Uh, then on the opposite end of the scale, uh, I put down the Japanese remake of Unforgiven because I figured it might be pretty good and might have a little bit more meat on it than something like what we just watched, uh, Maniac Cop Three. And I was like, maybe we want to have a discussion where we really kind of go all in. Same thought process with the Child's Play remake, which is also on this list. But I also put that there because it would force me to also watch Child's Play because I would not want to do the remake without having seen it and I've been meaning to see it. So then I've just baked myself an excuse to do that. Uh, But maybe, you know, I can just do that some other time without needing to create weird bait for myself. Um, I've got Grease 2, which is just sort of intentionally way out of left field. And last but certainly not least... Uh, we've got Stephen King's trucks, um, which is something that we've been talking to do about talking about maybe doing basically since the beginning. And frankly, I'm kind of leaning towards that. But, you know, the things that were weighing on my mind were Angels in the End Zone, the Japanese remake of Unforgiven, the remake of Child's Play, Grease 2 and Stephen King's trucks. Okay, and Stephen King's Trucks counts because it too is an adaptation of the. Um, they the the story is called Trucks. It is the same source material as Maximum Overdrive. 
Right, right. Maximum Overdrive actually came out like 10 years before Trucks did. Yes, because Maximum Overdrive was directed and written by Stephen King. Cocaine. Yeah, and absolutely. cocaine, but yes. but he had nothing to do with trucks beyond the source other than the material. adaptation. That is correct. So it's essentially a remake of Maximum Overdrive, right? Okay, okay. Um, my suggestion, and no one will be surprised, but my suggestion is absolutely child's play. Um, yeah, you think that's, so? Especially because you've given me the the. Uh, the explanation that you would watch the first one, you know, if you feel like you have time to watch the first one, I think that would be a really cool conversation comparing it to the first one. I have also wanted to pick that movie just I've seen it. And I think that, I think that it's, it's, it, it has meat on the bone to talk about it. Whereas angels in the end zone. Um, yeah. That's more of a joke episode. <laughs> yeah. And then unforgiven. I just, I know nothing about that. So I, I don't know where that would land. Stephen King's trucks. I feel like we also might just sort of be like, I, I just don't know how much will be in that movie to talk about. Um, and so I think we should, we should definitely do all those at some point. Cause we'll, we'll find material, but my yeah. gut just tells me that it would be uh that child's play would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And the Chucky TV series is airing right now, so it's kind of on people's minds. So yeah. I will say, uh we're doing trucks. Like I, I I'll say this right now. Let's do this. I think this is fair. If I've done my math right, and I think I have, because my episode, this comes out on the ninth, and then you have one on the sixteenth. I can't do hang on, I can't count this. I don't know why. Okay, so I don't. You don't get trucks. I don't get trucks. So here, I've made two <laughs> picks anyway. So we're going to do the Child's Play remake. And then my the first new year January <laughs> is trucks. Okay. <laughs> After much consulting of the Gregorian calendar. We have nailed that down. So there's both my picks. Hold me to that. I'm holding you to it, Corey. If Orphan 3 surprise drops the week of your pick in January, <laughs> trucks or, it's will trucks. supersede it. Awesome. I love it. I think that's great. I think this is a good plan. Sounds good to me. Uh, normally, this is the part where Mitch would like fall down the world's longest set of stairs, but he's not here. So I'm just going to send you, that in too. Yeah, Mitch, if you're uh, Mitch, if you're listening, um, just could you go back in time briefly and send me a clip of your plugs? That would be that would be great. Hey, cab baby, I'm gonna buy us the new foreign car for this. It's the maniac cop. I hate this. Kill him, but he broke out now. He's the villain. Bullets won't hurt him. I know 
it sounds like Jai, but when I shoot him, he's dead or alive. Set him on fire, I shoot him with a Uzi, but he'll show up in your jacuzzi. You can run him over, you can feed him poison. Push him out a window and it only annoys him. You better believe me if they think I'm lying. When he show up, yeah. people start dying. He's out for vengeance and he can't be stopped. That's why they call him the Maniac Cop. A cab, baby. Thanks, guy. Uh, Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I got a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Graham the Mallow. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at Mr. Corey Price. I do two other podcasts. Those are Strat 2, which is a podcast about Formula One with our friend Callum that should have an episode coming soon. Also, much more frequently updated is MK PodQuest with our friend Neil, which is about all sorts of Mortal Kombat, Ephemera, and various other things. You can listen to that at MK PodQuest and find all of those at MortalKombatConquest.ca. Also, um, I'll plug it because we only plug it occasionally, but if you want to hear more from Liam and not in podcast form, he has a band that he's in uh, called Guest Room Status. You can listen to their music wherever good music is streamed or sold. That's right. We're not on the bad platforms. No, the ones st- that just exclusively have bad music. We're not on the Tubi of uh, of music platforms. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean I don't mean that Tubi. You got great movies. No, Tubi is great, I but you gotta Tubi. you gotta want it. You know, like you're there for something <laughs> specific. Yeah, that's all. Uh, okay, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word and on Letterbox at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the good ones, all the good ones, as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email like Shane at TMAOPodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and one of the several things we said you should email us about. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, the remake of Child's Play coming up in trucks not long after that. Oh, they made another one?